back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we step a bit outside of the region, not much, depending on your interpretation of the region. We welcome Jim Roberts from Wilmington. Jim's a longtime friend of the Charlotte entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, he was certainly involved in, in Charlotte's ecosystem back in the early part of the 2000s, has stay engaged, um, communicates on a regular basis with a lot of the local leaders here in the startup ecosystem. But we wanted to talk to Jim today about what's going on in Wilmington. Um, as many of you know, Wilmington's had some success over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, Encino, a company that was spun out of Live Oak Bank, went public last year in a nice IPO. Um, they had what was originally Next Class uh, that turned into Untapped with a nice, um, nice exit or transition as well. Um, they've got some other nice companies there that are growing and scaling at a rapid pace. And Jim was essentially recruited there back in 2013 to grow it and build it and, and make it a success. So we just wanted to talk to him a little bit about what was going on, how he's doing it, what's going on in Wilmington now, um, what he sees going on over the course of the next couple of years, and, and really just get his insight into you know kind of a sister or brother ecosystem um, and let y'all know what was going on around the state as well. So certainly hope you enjoy Jim's insight into what it took him to build the ecosystem um, and learn a little bit more about what's going on in Wilmington in the process. So enjoy today's podcast. Jim, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. Nice so, to see you. Yeah, no, um, I'm glad to kind of get started and talk about this. You and I've um, talked a couple of times before and I don't think we're going to be shy of things to talk about for the next 50 to 55 minutes. Um, so you're pretty well known around Charlotte cause you've been here. So we're going to skip a little bit of the intro of who Jim is. Um, and we're going to dive straight into, um, how did you end up in Wilmington building their startup ecosystem? And that'll kind of give everybody that doesn't know who Jim is a little bit of a background of who Jim is, right? Sure. Yeah. So in 2000, I started my nonprofit, the ecosystem in Charlotte, uh, after 9-11 and uh, the dot-com crash, I got recruited to Asheville. From Asheville, I worked in the, uh, I started their ecosystem and, and started an angel investor network, uh, started working at the North Carolina Department of Commerce in Raleigh for the International Trade Division, which was a really interesting job that helped me travel the world. And um, then I got recruited to a North Carolina Biotech Center organization called COIN, the Center of Innovation for NanoBio, and then got recruited to UNC Wilmington by the chancellor to open their, their first incubator called the Center of Innovation and Entrepreneurship, the CIE at UNCW. And, that's how I got to Wilmington. Um, the chancellor had a vision that really no one in Wilmington was taking the bull by the horns to run the ecosystem. Uh, the university had a small entrepreneur council that had internal to students and mentors from the community, but he wanted to open a building that would become the focal point. And he recruited me to open that facility. When was that? 
2013 is when you made your way down to Wilmington. Um, so Wilmington's different than Charlotte. Wilmington's different than Raleigh. Um, so what, um, what made you take the leap to move down to, cause you were in Raleigh at that point in time. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So, um, Raleigh's a booming city. It's got some startup activity going on. Um, and Wilmington probably at that time, um, was in its infancy. If, if, if anything beyond that, what was the, you know, um, other than, uh, beach community yourself, what was the catalyst? What was the thing that said, you know what, I want to do this. I want to see what we can create in Wilmington. Well, as you know, I mean, Raleigh is full, right? There's, there's not a, the, the leaders of the entrepreneur organizations don't move on. They kind of stay in that position because it's a, you know, it is a booming economy and uh, the, those leaders of those organizations don't move on. So I needed an open slot to become a leader of an entrepreneur organization. And there are 37 organizations in Raleigh-Durham for entrepreneurs, if you include the universities and such. So in Wilmington was an open, clean slate. And I was really eager to get down to the coast and, and make an impact. Um, so we're eight years in, um, what's different in 2021 than was different when you, then when you arrived in, in 2013? Well, in Wilmington in 2013, the department of commerce has a, a report that I would encourage you to look up called the innovation index. And it gives the innovation data of every county in North Carolina, and it compares cities in North Carolina to other booming cities, and it compares state to state. And in those innovation factors, Wilmington was ranked as low as 24th, yet Wilmington was the eighth largest city in North Carolina. Earlier in 2020, the startup genome ranking came out and Raleigh was the 10th best ecosystem, emerging ecosystem in the world. Charlotte was 31 and guess who was number 91? Down here at the beach in Wilmington, North Carolina that everyone thinks of on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we had built an innovation economy in eight years that was globally ranked and it's very possible that people have not heard of Startup Genome, but when that ranking came out, it was in every newspaper in every major city. So I hope that's enough credibility for everyone to say, okay, there, there's something there. Now, what else had changed is Encino, uh, which is a fintech company that spun out of Live Oak Bank, had a huge IPO um, and had gone from a $3 billion company the day it rang the the bell at NASDAQ to, I believe, a $9 billion company by the end of the day and was the largest IPO since 2000, since the tech boom, uh, the one-day IPO gain. It's been surpassed since then. And a family company called Untapped with a father and son team that grew to 125 employees and paying two to three times the average wage of Wilmington and... Um, it really an international success story in untapped. So um, let's stay there for a little while then. Right. So those two things, um, they don't happen overnight. Um, so um, 
how um, the the ecosystem in 2013, for all intents and purposes, didn't exist. So your first step is you come down there to run the CIE at UNCW, the incubator program down there. What's the first steps to start to build and help support the ecosystem around what eventually becomes Encino and um, Untapped, right? How do you how do you start? How did you start that process? The first thing I did was I had the Department of Commerce from North Carolina come and tell everyone that data that although you believe you are here, the fact is we're starting at the ground level. You know, some people. Uh, had really thought that Wilmington had made these great strides and the data wasn't showing it. So I needed John, Dr. John Harden from Commerce to say, hey, here, he was the very first speaker at the incubator and I invited him to the grand opening and just said, here's where you're building from. The second thing I did and I'm still doing is what I call the coastal corridor. And one of the first organizations that I invited to town was the North Carolina Technology Association uh, because I, I knew that the, the assets for building an innovation economy were really in Raleigh-Durham and we didn't have all of those assets the same way and nobody does uh, that Raleigh-Durham has. So can I make some introductions where our entrepreneurs can start getting stage time at the big North Carolina Technology Association events. And Kurt Taylor, who is the co-founder and the son of George Taylor, the co-founders, what was then Next Glass, they later acquired the Untapped brand, um, attended that lunch with the North Carolina Technology Association. And eight months later, they won an award as you know, the best emerging tech company in the state of North Carolina. And I really doubt that would have happened if I had not invited Encita down to Wilmington and made that quick introduction to Kurt Taylor, because that was the start of the relationship. Now, what was great was on the stage, the person is reading the award and what the company does, which is a, a phone on your app that tells you about your wine profile of how you like to taste the wine and you could have heard the whole room move their seat back, pull out their phone and dial down and, and download the app right there because, you know, there had been two or three bottles of wine per table and uh, <laughs> people were thirsty. And I'll never forget that. I knew that moment that we had we had made an impact in front of 800 people on their big night out. Everyone's dressed up, some tuxedos and such. And I was like, that was a big light bulb that we were doing the right things so it kind of so helped. I'm still i'm still running that coastal corridor with other organizations but Encita was first the sbtdc was second with their training workshops on sbir grants federal grants and we can get into that later but i'm still doing that invitation exchange between raleigh durham and the coast because what's funny is I've been turned down one time in eight years by a speaker who didn't want to come to the beach. And 60 of those people have been investors. And, um, and that's why I call it the coastal corridor. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so a little bit of luck and timing, right? I mean, you, um, 
with with next class at that point in time being at a point you kind of having a little bit of a success or a brewing success for lack of a better term um with them at the same time that you're establishing the relationship with the nCTA right um well again I've been a member of NCTA so yeah you know my 20 years of doing entrepreneur development I had all these statewide relationships yeah next class at that time was literally a father and son team. Yeah. And Encino had already started, of course. And trust me, I don't I don't take a whole lot of credit for Encino. They they have all of their own resources. And I did a few small things for them that did have a small impact, but I don't I don't take a whole lot of credit for Encino, mostly that I made other people aware of what they were doing, such as Encita and CED. Yeah. No, I mean um agreed. And you know. Um, everything requires a whole bunch of hard work, um, right. and a little bit of luck. Right. So, right. um, what, um, so you get, um, you're at the presentation, um, next class slash untapped, um, has some success, uh, winning the award, um, has some success in getting a few extra downloads that night as well. Um, so we're moving into 2014. Um, how does the ecosystem build out, right? What are you doing behind the scenes to continue to, um, cause you need to drum up entrepreneurs. Um, you need to drum up just support for the ecosystem in terms of mentors and people that can help the entrepreneurs grow and, um, and nurture them and everything else. And then at the same time, you got to be working behind the scenes to pull money out from, you know, the, um, from their boats and whatever else that, that they're doing in Wilmington to invest in these companies at the same time right so what are all the things that are you know the the ducks sitting on the water and the feet are moving as fast as they can so what were your feet doing well uh, i don't i don't hide the rest of my body i if you know i'm high energy i'm high energy so yes my feet are moving a million miles an hour but i don't hide i don't try to hide the rest of it um i i wish i had that skill but i'm i'm an open book People know the, I wear my emotions on my sleeves and people know that about me. Um, the next big thing that happened was we actually won an award from the SBA in a trip to the White House. And we were named one of the top 100 incubators slash accelerators in the country. And that was another mark of validation uh, for Wilmington to get on board of what was really happening. We've received an awful lot of outside validation. Wilmington is kind of a hard town to impress if I can. It's, you know, people rarely make their money in Wilmington. They kind of move to Wilmington with money that they've made in the Northeast or the Midwest. And they were captains of industry wherever they were because that's how they can afford to live in Wilmington. So they're they're a hard bunch to impress. But when Next Glass won that award, um, and we won this trip to the White House that was headline news. Um, it started opening some eyes on what we were able to do. Soon after that, we held our first ever venture capital conference. I think it's actually the second venture capital conference. I believe CED had one. They brought a kind of a one day conference to the beach, and you know, that was mildly successful. But we had what I called our uh, Coastal Connect Conference in 2014. And we opened that event with four local uh, startups that pitched their company to the crowd. 
And all four of those companies, even eight years later, are still alive. And so we had some validation there that, you know, we had a good sense of what was going to work and who are the long-term winners. And we're, I'm still pretty proud of that and impressed that those companies are still alive. What was great about that company, one, our opening keynote speaker was a gentleman named Hugh Forrest, who is the leader of the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. And he was our opening Riverside chat, as we called it. And that brought a lot of people from Raleigh-Durham. And again, that headline of how the hell did Jim get this guy from Austin, Texas, who runs a 30,000 person conference down to our little city by the beach. And we've got 300 people at our very first conference. And, you know, Monica Doss is one of my mentors and she's someone that I look up to the most. She was the executive director of CED for 25 years. And she told me that CED at their own conference, their first venture conference had 100 people. So for me to have 300 people was, was a big win. And again, opened some more eyes. What, more importantly, what happened at that conference, we had a company called Lapidus Solutions, which is a facial recognition software company that presented. And at that conference, little did we know that an investor was there, loved their idea, and ended up investing $3 million in that, in that company. That's awesome. And that's a big, big number. And if you think about this, this same company, again, called Lapidus Solutions, later raised a round from Aflac Insurance. Uh, because what they're doing is they're matching facial analytics and facial recognition to the insurance industry to predict your, long, predict your longevity of life. So they're trying to predict how much longer you will live based on the progression of selfies that you put into the app to show 200 signs of your how your face and your body are aging. That's crazy. So um, A, it's crazy technology. Um, B, it's crazier that, you know, that's 2014, Ecosystems Young, you've got somebody sitting in the audience that's going to write a $3 million check for a single for a single company, right? Um, it shows the um, it shows the wealth and capacity to invest that Wilmington really has. I think a lot of people probably look at you know a lot of people from outside of Wilmington probably look at it as small Eastern North Carolina town. Um, and yeah, that's kind of sort of right, but it's also kind of sort of wrong, right? Um, you know, they're. Um, I don't know when the last time a Charlotte area company got a single $3 million check at a conference. Right. Right. Um, so you're starting to build on success. You've got an, um, a talking a top 100 incubator. You make it up to the white house. Um, I'd assume that's in 2013, 2014 timeframe too. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So then you launch your conference. Um, you continue to, you know, um, to see, I mean, you're getting self-validation, right? You know, you made a good decision. You're in the right place. You're starting to see, doesn't mean that they're not still struggles ahead of you, right, Jim? Yeah. Um, but you're starting to see some things take off. Um, and you, But I can see it, but it know. doesn't mean that the, the community can see it. Like yeah. I was bragging that we were already the third best city in North Carolina, you know, a year and a half into, you know, building our ecosystem because- I knew behind the scenes meeting with entrepreneurs every day and they're saying, Hey, this connection invested, or, Hey, I've got a new client. And I just, 
all that buzz was heading to me, but it was it was hard for the rest of the community to actually see the growth. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, it's, it's not until um, you're in, I mean, to your point, you're in it every day. They're not. Um, right. And because you're in it every day, you see it every day. They need the wave to come on shore, right? You're able to see the wave out on the um, horizon right. um, uh, uh, well before the, it hits the shore. Um, but you've you've created a number of other organizations down in Wilmington, right? I mean, you've got Whale. Um, at what point in time did you form Whale? Well, I left the university in spring of 2015 to create my own nonprofit entrepreneur support organization called New. That's the Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington. Uh, in November, we started Whale, which is the Wilmington Angels for Local Entrepreneurs, because frankly, the local angel network that had been around for 10 more years, frankly, wasn't investing locally. They were not impressed by the local deal flow. The truth of the matter is they were very active in the Angel Capital Association of America kind of association of worldwide angel investors, and they could find deal flow in other places. In Boston, they were very active in Canada, and that's great. But and that's their business model. But if I'm going to run an ecosystem, the entrepreneurs have to have some optimism that there are local angel investors that care about the local economy. And that's why I started Whale. And luckily enough, very early on, I met uh, the owner of Ironclad Brewery, who allowed us to have our events at Ironclad for free for the nonprofit the Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington, and he became our lead investor in Whale. And so, you know, event after event, he's in the brewery watching these entrepreneurs participate, ask smart questions. Maybe some of them are on stage and, you know, he starts investing. And um, that was a real light switch for the rest of the community that we weren't just talking about it. Our investors were actually putting money into the deals and that really made a big difference. Um, that's something, you know, again, I am not an angel investor as you listed off. My career is mostly in economic development, universities, nonprofits. So I have yet to make that, you know, tax bracket that, allows you to invest. Um, and, and I don't come from a wealthy family. My, my father was a, you know, a, a lifelong basketball coach and public school teacher. Um, so, you know, it just wasn't, uh, but, but I have good relationships and people trust me to put the best deals in front of them. And, and that's how I got into, that's how I started whale. So you make an interesting point, right? There's already an angel group in, in Wilmington in 2015, 2016, when you're getting well up and running. And, you know, it's a conversation that Greg Brown and I've had a couple of different times, right? There's a part of being early in the ecosystem that, I mean, you want to make money, right? That's the reason you're an angel investor. But there's a part of it that's a little bit community give back. Um and that's a really tough pill for people to swallow because you've got somebody right next door that will take your money and invest it for your for pure profit. Right. right. Um, and oh, if I want to, 
if I want a tax deduction, I'll go give it to the charity down the street. Right. right. So right. you're kind of pigeon, you're, you're kind of stuck in between where we're trying to generate profits, but at the same time, we're trying to develop this ecosystem and in order to develop this ecosystem, we need your money. We might not get as good returns as the guy down the street that's just in it for returns. How are you selling that early in the, early in the cycle? Well, it's, a uh... Well, I'll put it this way. It helped again that those four companies that I put in on the stage are all still alive. So yeah. I have some knowledge in gut feel, I guess, of what is going to work and what's not going to work. Um, second is that there is an emotional part of angel investing. And the fact is, if you want your children or grandchildren to stay in the city that you live in, then there, somebody has to help those entrepreneurs create jobs. And though that can be through angel investing or it can be through mentoring where you're opening doors to your list of contacts that could become clients for these, these entrepreneurs that you're working with. And after 20 years of doing this, I have a pretty good BS meter of you know, hey, I like this idea, let's go, I'll push open all the doors I can, or, hey, you've got an ugly baby and this isn't going to work, but let's pivot it over here. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't tell anyone to shut down their company, but I, I will be honest with them and say, I have very limited resources. I don't think your idea is going to work the way you have it structured, but what if we had a lunch with three mentors and we found a way to pivot your idea towards the blue ocean, if you will, instead of the red ocean. And um, let, let's, help that, let, let's help this company succeed. And um, that's really, in my opinion, of 20 years of building ecosystems, that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's, it's not meant to be uh, the interrogation lights, you know, hey, tell me about your company and make the entrepreneur squirm. That is not my idea of what we're supposed to be doing. You can be very honest, but you don't, I mean, it can be so cruel in some ecosystems where the entrepreneurs are literally walking out of the door and, you know, crying in their car for a half an hour because they just blew the one chance they had to raise some capital because there's only one source of capital in the good old boys network. Yeah. And um, I've never been a part of that network and I never will. And I just choose to work from the outside. So let's talk about well for a little while. What's the structure of it, right? So um, yeah. how often how often do you meet? Well, to be honest, we don't meet at all. We never meet. Um, okay. I find the deals. We're a network. So the guys put in their own money. There's not a pot of money in the bank account. It is hey, I think you of the members that we have, a very small group of members, I think you would like this deal. And I don't tell the other two about it because I know it's not in their, you know, their their knowledge base or they wouldn't get it or they wouldn't like this entrepreneur for whatever reason. So it's a network. We don't meet. I connect with my investors when I find a deal that I, whether it's in the Wilmington ecosystem or in the Raleigh-Durham ecosystem, we even have a, a Myrtle Beach um, company in our portfolio that went through Techstars. Okay. 
So yeah, that was, was, that was my next question, right? Is what's your, um, what's your process? Are you only sourcing deals out of Wilmington? Um, or will you look in other quote unquote semi-local markets? Yeah, it's all regional. Um, our lead investor has made it very clear that he's really interested in, in the region, Wilmington first, but then the region. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and that's really, that's what we can do just like any other small angel network. We're not that unique in that. Um, but we, obviously there's a ton of deal flow in Raleigh, Durham. We have a little better connection with Raleigh, Durham, um, because we need a governor to fix that road between Charlotte and Wilmington. So you guys stop going to South Carolina for your vacations or, um, you know, you, you guys love the Charleston region and uh, we'd love you to spend more of your tourism dollars in, in Wilmington. But well, please, you know, that I prefer Wilmington over, um, over Charleston, even oh, fantastic, even with 74 being a little bit of a mess between here and there. Right. It is. A um, mess. So, so Wells, a Wells, a network. So you find deals, regional deals, um, you bring them to your network, um, put them in front of them um, and help them get funded. Um, but new is, do you still meet regularly at the brewery or is that kind of, how, how does that system work and how do the two, how does new and well work together? Think of it as a funnel. I have my average attendance at new is 155 people. And those are, how often are those meetings? Well, they were monthly before the pandemic. Oh yeah, I forgot we're and still we're, in the pandemic. Yeah, we're we? uh, we're kicking those back up again on June 8th. We're having our first event. We did have an event on March 4th, but it was my tough love event. That was one entrepreneur presenting to seven mentors to get some feedback on their pitch before they went on the road tour to find actual investors. So that was my tough love event in March. Our June 8th event is with the leader of Techstars Austin. Amos Schwartzfarb, who is uh, a two-time best-selling author who has the number one book on Amazon right now. And two of the companies in the whale portfolio, actually three companies in the whale portfolio are Techstars um, graduates. So okay. two of them went through Austin. Uh, we're going to have a private event at 1030 with uh, those two companies and uh, Amos and uh, just kind of have a riverside chat of what is an accelerator? What are the benefits of that? Because we're starting a pre-accelerator program. So before you get to Techstars, we're having a three-month local um, education, if you will, on the Lean Business Canvas um, plan to kind of fill in the gaps of the knowledge of the early stage entrepreneurs. What's the path? What are the, um, what's the path? What are some of the milestones and stuff like that you need to take before you can, um, you know, reach out and start to look at something like Techstars essentially, right? Is that what you're talking about with the pre-accelerator? Yeah. I mean, you know, we're trying to not, it's not just for Techstars, of course, but how do we help early stage entrepreneurs present a little more professionally their ideas and a, a fully formed business plan? You know, I don't know how much you know about Wilmington, but we don't get the MBAs moving to Wilmington unless they go to work for Encino. We get a lot of people who end up in Wilmington because 
they want the quality of place of, of living near the ocean. And so, you know, someone will come without a fully formed business knowledge and maybe they're really good at sales or good at marketing, but they don't necessarily know the rest of it. And what we're trying to do is kind of fill in those gaps with this pre-accelerator program. Okay. That makes sense. Um, it makes a ton of sense. And we got a we got an NCIDEA grant for that uh, ecosystem grant, so sixty one thousand dollar grant for two years of programming. Okay, and that starts when September. Uh, we um, I'm actually calling it the Hustle and Harvest Pre Accelerator. Um, the reason we chose September is because as you if you've seen a picture of the beach right now, it's just packed, yeah. and so we're giving everyone a little time to get out of uh covid mode and get their party on for a little while and uh hopefully in september when the kids have to go back to school things will calm down at the at the coast a little bit yeah my mom lives just a little bit north of you in moorhead city and she says okay. that it's um she's already waiting for september it's so crazy down there it's um, bonkers yeah, yeah no i bet um, so what type, I mean, so you've mentioned this a couple of different times, right? I mean, Wilmington, um, Wilmington doesn't have uh, Duke, Carolina and NC state within 20 miles of each other. Right. Um, and so the, the type of entrepreneur you end up with down there is different than the type of entrepreneur that you end up with up in, you know, the Raleigh Durham area. What is that type of entrepreneur that you have in Wilmington? We don't have a vertical industry. So even if you say fintech, because of Live Oak Bank, because of Encino, the latest spin out is called Aperture, who raised $30 million. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the thing we haven't talked about is Wilmington is now the home of the largest venture capital fund in the South, Canopy Ventures, $645 million venture fund for fintech but they are not requiring those companies that they invest in, of course, to relocate to Wilmington. So they'll, these companies will spend a little time, but they're, they're not required to relocate. So we don't necessarily have that as a vertical industry. So we don't have a vertical industry. We have whatever comes to our events gets in the pipeline, right? I mean, I wish we could define what we're doing. We're working on a conference where we're trying to bolster infotech, blue tech, biotech, and digital health and see what we can attract. Um, when you say blue tech, what do you mean? Sorry. Ocean, ocean, marine, biology. Yeah. I thought that's what it was. I just wanted to make sure. Well, I mean, that is the, if you looked at the research dollars that UNCW gets. It's down it's to that space. 80%. Ocean related marine bio biology. And, and that, of course, biotech by itself is really, really difficult to monetize. Yeah. And then you add a marine layer onto that and it just gets harder to do. So we haven't had a whole lot of success. Um, that's really outside of what I'm doing. Uh, I don't, I don't get involved in that so much, yeah. but. The, the, the leader at UNCW, Diane Durance, who now runs the CIE incubator, that is her background. So, you know, she is trying to uh, bolster the blue tech marine biology space. 
And there are a few very young companies that she's working with in that space. So you've got an, um, you've got a potential emerging space to kind of um, potentially serve as almost like an anchor vertical. Um, um, and that's to be seen over the course of the next five or 10 years. As well I don't know that blue tech will be an anchor that yeah. way. I, I would, I mean, if you think of untapped is really infotech. Yeah. If you think of another company that had an exit last year called player space, it's mm-hmm. infotech. They got acquired by a company out of Houston. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's hard to have a vertical if you're just infotech is so broad, right? Yeah, it so, is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, back, um, you know, thinking about, um, Encino, um, or no, sorry, um, untapped or next class, um, before it rebranded itself, father, son combo from an entrepreneur perspective, right? Do you typically see a little bit more, um, a little older entrepreneur in Wilmington as a result of not having the university system ecosystem, like you do up the road in, in Raleigh? Um, which isn't a bad thing in any way, shape or form. Right. Um, or is it just a mixed breed just because Wilmington's just a mixed breed? It's all over the place. Um, you know, some early 30 somethings before they have kids, they want to live at the beach. So they move to Wilmington. Uh, if they haven't started their career or if they haven't had career success, there's a lot of people that transition in transition out of Wilmington. They're Mm -hmm maybe not there very long, maybe three years. Um, yes, the older, like you said, um, someone who maybe had a success in another big city relocate because they want to live at the beach. Uh, maybe they're an empty nest kind of situation. Um, and, and they try to start something. The, the thing that makes me laugh is, of course, I get the call, hey, I'm new to town. I'm thinking about doing some consulting with some small businesses. And I'm like, man, people have been telling that story since 1990 when I-40 expanded to Wilmington. There's no money in that, you know, none of, because we're a new ecosystem, there's just not a whole lot of money flying around where a consultant can make some money. These, these startups are really scratching for a living to support themselves. They don't have the money to pay consultants. Yeah. Um, but what is very positive news is we're getting UNCW graduates that are moving back to Wilmington. You know, they spent three years in Charlotte, seven years in Raleigh-Durham, or they went to the Valley, or they went to New York, and now they're moving back. And we're seeing that because we have a, a One Million Cups chapter, and we have very good attendance at these uh, events and participation, and and. Uh, in the application, because I'm on the committee, I can see that it's a, a UNCW graduate. And that's a that's a very positive sign that the word is getting out that our, we're a little more nurturing for entrepreneurs than we were when they were in school and they felt they had to move away. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about capital for a little while, right? You mentioned it earlier. Um, you've got Canopy Ventures, which um, was that two years ago, Jim? Was that 2019? Yes. Um, yes. I remember seeing the article come out. Um, I think it was, um, oh, maybe it's the Charlotte Business Journal or whatever. Um, Six hundred million, give or take. Six forty-five. Six forty-five. That was so a- they had thirty banks that invested, let's say, twenty to twenty-five million dollars. And if a bank invested into the fund 
they had to use the software that the fund was investing in. That was part of the deal. Um, so it was a it was a surprisingly large number for Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, so to your point, it doesn't have to stick around in Wilmington from an investment perspective. But what type? I mean, you know, anytime you raise a flag that says there's six hundred million dollars sitting here in town, and you can come run it, uh, rub elbows with the people that are running it, that that has to have an impact, right? So how has the um, how's Canopy Ventures um, kind of accelerated or validated what's going on or what has been going on in Wilmington? Well, I don't know that it's really validated or what's going on. I think it certainly is a, it's an attraction that's putting us on the map. You know, the pandemic really kind of limited a whole lot of travel. So those companies weren't necessarily coming to Wilmington to come and see, you know, the, my, my favorite saying in, in Encino is that they, their motto is that they hustle, hustle and comfort, yeah. right? So um, maybe that will change now that the, you know, the airlines are kind of back open and the airports are open, but we haven't seen that yet. I, and I think maybe you should know that they actually have offices all over the place. So they, yeah, Canopy has offices in D.C., I think they hired a former Disney venture capitalist who's out in LA, you know, who's not far from the Silicon Valley. They have a presence with uh, some people and, you know, maybe they work for Live Oak. But they can certainly communicate to Canopy that are in Raleigh, Durham. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're very active in looking for deal flow, even though those people aren't necessarily coming to Wilmington. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, this is really, I mean, your point's valid, and we're going to get to it in a few minutes, but we'll, while we're there, we'll stay there, and we'll circle back around to capital in a second. Um, you know, the pandemic had a lot of impact, right, and far-reaching impact, far broader than we'll probably ever really understand or know um, in different aspects of the economy and life. Um, did it press pause in Wilmington? Um was the pause kind of a good thing because it allowed you to, you know, kind of gather up, figure out where things were or, you know, what was the impact to the, um, to you as you're building out that ecosystem from a needing capital, from needing companies, was it a nice reset or did you, did you not even hit re- not reset, um, pause and pause and push or, you know what I'm going with? Yeah. It, it, it allowed me to do some new things. Um, uh, you know, I did have a podcast, uh, the three sips of advice podcast. It, I got to start a hyper local news um, startup news website called 91omg.biz. Um, the 1 million cups played a much more important role because we weren't having physical events. Uh, you know, it, it allowed me to do some writing. <laughs> I've actually now started a, my own consulting firm where I consult with other cities on their ecosystem. And I now have my first client in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, So yeah, it was a pause. I took advantage of it. Um, You know, I spend a lot of time, I have a 13 year old son that lives in Raleigh. So I really split time between Raleigh and uh, Wilmington. And this allows me to really reconnect with a lot of Raleigh folks and let them know what we're doing. And, um, 
we've made so much progress in eight years that it it's really hard to see from the outside on the little things that add up to that kind of success. Yeah, no. Um, speaking of success, by the time this launches, everybody would, um, or I guess it would have already happened. Um, you're, um, yeah, you've, you've been successful. You push hard, right? Yes. Um, so as you said, capital earlier, Y, capital E, capital S. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so you've got, um, you've got the PBS series startup coming to town. Right. They're going to be filming in June. Uh, it'll probably show nationwide. It's an Emmy winning nationwide business show on PBS TV called Startup. And they're coming to Wilmington for four days to film four different startups. And this should be great national, international exposure to put these, not only the entrepreneurs um, on a pedestal for a little while that they deserve, but it'll uh, put Wilmington on the stage. And I got a funny little story. Uh, recently, I was on a webinar that Techstars Atlanta was hosting. And I was very proud of the five entrepreneurs from Wilmington that had joined the webinar. And I let the, the host know. And I said, Mr. Mr. Payne, we've got five entrepreneurs from Wilmington here today on this webinar. And he said, thank you so much for joining us from Delaware. <laughs> Man, that broke my heart. It broke my heart. That's My heart still aches because I had worked so hard to push the Wilmington brand, and then it was uh, misunderstood for where everyone files their uh, their the, corporations, right? Yeah. In Delaware, not in Wilmington, North Carolina, where we're so proud of our beach that we forgot to tell people that we have uh, actual businesses in there. So we've still got a lot of work to do to tell everyone where Wilmington is and what Wilmington's up to. And we're hoping this television show is... Uh, you know, one more step to letting people know where we are, because we will always struggle to get beyond the shadow of Raleigh, Durham and Charlotte. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the, the key aspect is carving out your own niche, right? So, um, so there's no longer a shadow and I think you're doing a fantastic job of doing that. Um, you've mentioned Encino and, um, um, and, um, and, and next class, what is now untapped a, a couple of different times. And one of the things that Charlotte struggled with is we, we haven't had localized exits, right? We've had some exits over time that never really stayed in town, so to speak, um, or at least the money didn't stay in town. Um, it seems like maybe you're a little bit different where, you know, I mean, obviously Encino is still there. Um, the next class, the untapped folks are still there. So having people that have done it successfully created some wealth as a result of done doing it successfully, um, is it helping in terms of them reinvesting into the, um, into the ecosystem? Um, and obviously you don't have to share terms, but I mean, yeah. gosh, no, it's just them going to the coffee shop and just, you know, talking about their own exit and being able to share the story of their exit and everything else. It almost has to create that, um, that fear of missing out type mentality. Right. So it's not just that their money's in the ecosystem. It's somebody, you know, the country club or the coffee shop doesn't, you know, they've got money too. And now they want to pour it into the ecosystem because they don't, they don't want to miss on the next Encino is, is that starting to sprinkle through the ecosystem yet? And I would imagine, you know, again, going back to the pandemic, it probably starts to help some on the backside of it as you're able to start to do some in-person events again. 
Well, your crowd can't see me, but I have the Dr. Evil pinky to the mouth. Yes, that is my evil plan. Uh, FOMO is my whole plan. Of, <laughs> yes, you missed out on Encino. And frankly, Encino was very internal, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. didn't have a lot of, whole lot of, you know, um, Wilmington-based angel investors. There were a few, of course, who had relationships before Encino hit big, but they, they really kept the uh the deal inside internal um besides the venture capital that they they raise money from salesforce and bessemer ventures and others um one thing that we haven't talked about is the founders of untapped have moved on and created what's called true colors brewing which is the next big story that you're going to hear about coming out of wilmington which is a george taylor is the founder he is employing active gang members who have some, some have equity, but they're getting paid a well beyond a living wage. And the reason they're staying active is so they know the communication in the, in the community and they can handle what they hear about upcoming violent acts and they can handle it differently than they've ever handled it before. And saying, we don't have to handle this this way anymore. We don't have to use guns. We don't have to deal drugs. We can now come and work. And, and what George has found is this is really all about economic opportunity is you don't have to be in the line of gunfire um, if you're busy working and, and making a, you know, a $40,000, $50,000 wage as making beer. Um, the next time you go and visit Wilmington, I suggest that you drive by True Colors Brewing because this is a 50,000 square foot building where they are just starting to make beer, but this building is already full. This, this brewery has childcare, it has a workout facility, it has a music studio, it has a film studio. Uh, obviously, they're going to serve the beer there and they're making beer there. And this is a very impressive story that I think once uh, I can't talk too much about the things that are coming because uh, George would put me out of his will. But um, <laughs> let's just say you're going to be hearing a lot about this company within the next six months. Where's the located so, in Wilmington? Downtown uh, Wilmington? By the Green Lake Amphitheater. So okay. it's uh, off of 8th Street and 3rd Street. Okay. Uh, 8th Street. Yeah. So it's it's where the outdoor music amphitheater where I saw G Love and Special Sauce and um, Thievery Corporation play two years ago, and those were magical shows. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I mean, this building had been empty for more than thirty years. In fact, the really didn't have much of a roof left. Uh, so he had to use a lot of that money that he raised, including money from from Molson and Coors Brewing into true colors oh wow so uh you'll be reading and seeing a lot about this company i mean it's the good side of entrepreneurship right i mean everybody always looks at san francisco and the mess that it's become with um you know discrepancy in wealth um 
you look at somebody like, um, and I've never met George. I don't have the slightest idea who he is, but he's had success in, in one startup. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's got another startup, but a startup is, um, yes, it's, it's there to make money. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a social startup too, right? I mean, that's a, the impact that he's having in the local community can be, um, far outside of the wealth that it creates, right? Well, George is a 10 time entrepreneur with an IPO under his belt and everyone knows him from untapped, but he's what I call a portfolio entrepreneur. He's not a serial entrepreneur. He's always got three or four businesses going. The other company that he has is called National Speed, which is a speed shop for your car, where I'm sure you're familiar. We look less same age. You remember Pimp My Ride on MTV. That's not what this is. This is bring your stock car from the dealership and we're going to muscle it up underneath the hood. It's not going to look any different. But when you pull up to that green light and the car next to you is the same one, but you've got 100 more horsepower under the hood, you're going to win. You're going to take that green light. Yeah. And so he's got a lifelong love of racing. And so national speed um, is expanding. They've expanded to Richmond and uh, they have very aggressive expansion plans and whale is an investor in national speed as well. Okay. Um, so, um, Jim, not surprisingly, um, we've talked for 50 minutes, we've covered a whole bunch of, of range, right? Um, but as we kind of close out podcast today, talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, what do you see? And you mentioned it earlier about, you know, living in the shadow of, of Raleigh and Charlotte. And I want to get outside of that for a second. What do you see the ecosystem, the Wilmington startup ecosystem, the Wilmington angel ecosystem looking like in five to seven years, right? What's your goal with it anyways is what I should say. Well, I mean, we're predicting to double the population of Wilmington very quickly. And the pandemic just sped all of that up. So we're going to have more success because of companies like Encino, if you think of Encino and Live Oak Bank, I believe between them, they've hired 500 UNCW graduates. And that had never, ever, ever happened before. What else could be happening? I think you saw that PPD just got acquired by Thermo Fisher. PPD is a huge employer with a huge downtown. They actually have the only skyscraper, if you want to think about it that way. Um, so what will happen with that building? I think it would be amazing if they opened up a few floors of that that has wet wet lab space. So we could have a life sciences um, vertical industry, but we right now we don't have the capacity for it because we don't have the wet lab space. We have some knowledge. We're having people from Red Hat that are moving to Raleigh-Durham. We've got We've got an, a venture capitalist in Wilmington that invested in Uber, Facebook, and Airbnb, and no one knows he's there, right? So it's our little secret of we've got this brilliant guy who's been to the rock, you know, the, the top of the mountain. He's seen it all. What can he help our entrepreneurs understand that, you know, our, our market is so young, we're not that sophisticated yet. So between the knowledge of What's happening at Canopy? Smart investors like the guy I just mentioned, who's been to the to the mountaintop, and now we've had some exited entrepreneurs. 
And not only that, but the employees of a company like Encino, when will they start their own their own entrepreneurial journey? And, and that's what I'm excited about. We haven't seen it yet because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Maybe we got some bad luck that some of that should be happening now that the the employees have cashed out of their Encino stock. They're in that window where they can start selling some of that stock, you know, six months after the IPO. So those are the things that are fueling the future of Wilmington uh, in the next decade. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes a ton of sense, right? Um, You know, it makes sense that um, that people that have had success want to come to Wilmington. It's got a neat little, um, it's got a neat story to it, a smaller, um, but it's growing at a, um, it's got enough to offer to, to make it an attractive place for people that want some action at the same time. Right. Well, I'm sure you're hoping for the same from Avid Exchange. Yeah, no, I mean, that'll be right. interesting. Right. I mean, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, capital and you need, I mean, that's what you need, right? You need two things to happen when something like Encino goes public or hopefully Avid Exchange later this year, you need the capital to get freed up. So I always call it dumb money. It's a bad term to use, right? It's just excess money that people are willing to take risk with. We call it um, Vegas money. You might want to re- rebrand that. Yeah, Vegas Some money. money is not going to go over well with future yeah. investors, sir. <laughs> Vegas um, money. So, um, so Vegas money. Um, but it's also it's also also the the folks that have been there, experienced it, saw the growth, had their own concept, had been waiting for their own um, opportunity to go out and create. And so, I mean, that's what you'll get with Encino. That's what you'll get with Untapped. That's what you'll get with some other things too. So. Um, I mean, it's an exciting, I mean, um, I mean, look between, you know, the startup mini series, um, that's coming to town that'll put a spotlight on Wilmington, the exits, um, the capital that's in town, and then the momentum that you've created over the last eight years. I mean, you've got a lot to look forward to over the next five years, um, or at least it so would seem right. Right. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Michael Prager used to come to my events in the year 2000 when I had my own organization called First Round. Yeah. I mean, I remember the very start of Avid Exchange and that was 21 years ago, right? Which is a, you know, it's a good point. It's a, a closing point because I always like to try to help in instances where I can. Um, I mean, you've got Well, Well is a primary a regional focus for um, for investors to to see what's happening down around and somewhat close to Wilmington. And I know a number of our, you know, um, accredited investors that listen to our podcast or um, are members of Venture South or members of the Charlotte Angel Fund. Um, do do y'all take um, you know members outside of the, the the region that just want exposure down there, Jim? Yeah, we we. I mean, um, I'm uh, I'm sure you know Mike McGuire. He's one of my mentors. He was at my wedding a uh, long time ago, and Mac Lackey and I were business plan or uh, business partners uh, 20 years ago with First Round. And we've got some interesting deal flow. We've got a company called OPA that we're very, very excited about. And uh, and another company called Brilliant Soul that's in the whale portfolio. And so, yeah, we're, we try to open doors all over the state, all over the Southeast. And uh, I hope you'll see us as a potential partner for the things that you're looking for. And, and uh, you know, I know Dan Rosselli very well. I'm very plugged into Charlotte and uh, eager to come down there and uh, 
and see how the Panthers play on that turf. I don't know how that's going to work out. I'm very confused. I wish they had kept the grass. Yeah. But if yeah. you're going to have a McCaffrey running on the turf, maybe he goes just that much faster. Maybe we just keep the turf for as long as McCaffrey's around, and then we switch back to grass, right? <laughs> uh, I saw where Tepper's trying to donate the the grass today, so I, I think I think the grass is on the way out. Oh well, so now that's a whole other podcast if we want to talk about the Panthers and the okay. turf. So, okay. uh, <laughs> so uh, well, Jim, it's I mean, you know, um, I've been a long fan of yours. You've done a lot of good work, um, at least as long as I've known you down in the Wilmington area, and certainly know some folks that were friends of yours while you're here in Charlotte too. So you've always been highly spoken of. Um, and it's you know phenomenal to opportunity to have you on the podcast and talk about all the neat things that are going on in Wilmington. And to your point, um, we'll return the favor and get down there and um, and attend one or two of your events as we get out of this pandemic um, houseborn or house locked uh, position that we've been in for the last fifteen months. Well, I'll give you a little secret. I try to have all of my events at Thursday at four o'clock, and that way you kind of make it a weekend, right? <laughs> uh, that's why I've only had one person turn me down is because I'm inviting my people down. They know they have a beach house and they just make a weekend of it. So Thursday at four o'clock is our normal time for events. Well, my wife and kids will love that concept. So anyways, Very good. We'll, all right. Well, thanks again, Jim. I enjoyed the conversation. It was a lot of fun. Love learning more about the Wilmington ecosystem and what you've done down there. So congrats and continue um, best wishes and luck ahead. Thank you very much and uh, have a great weekend, sir. Thanks. Take care. program then not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and the opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.